Welcome to Zero Downtime, the new podcast brought to you by DCD's editorial team in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical infrastructure provider. Vertiv has kept the world's leading businesses connected for more than 50 years. We build, deliver, and support critical infrastructure that's available, sustainable, and future-ready. Visit us at vertiv.com and see what we can do for you. Welcome to this episode of DCD Downtime, when I'm excited to be talking to Rich Kenny of Interact about understanding IT efficiency. And if that subject doesn't sound interesting and exciting, that might be because you haven't heard about what Rich is doing. So um, tell me what you're up to, Rich. That's probably the best way to start here. Yeah, cheers, man. Um, So I'm the MD of of Interact, which is a, a machine learning focused consultancy that, that is entirely based around optimizing the IT aspect of data centers and enterprises. So what we do is we seek to understand the impact of configuration, age, um, optimization, utilization, lots of Asians uh, mm-hmm. around the server hardware to try and make the best choices from carbon cost and energy points of view. So we have the world's largest amount of server benchmarks. We use very advanced benchmarking techniques including sort of um, a custom-built wind tunnel where we can do full environmental analysis around sort of external temperatures, pressurization, all that sort of stuff. Allows us to get really good data on what servers are actually capable of doing and how effective and efficient they are. And then we apply that to the data center to say, how could you significantly reduce energy? How could you reduce your carbon impact? And fundamentally, how can you get more bang for your buck with the IT side of things on the data center? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about this is kind of it, this isn't just theoretical. This is no. looking at servers in real time. Um, if 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 you've got a lot of servers in a rack, you can call Rich in and he'll tell you how much uh, energy they're using, what they're if you if you know the carbon intensity of their energy, what their carbon footprint is, and even more interestingly, how they could be configured better. Yeah. So the key thing is. Energy efficiency is is entirely now configuration based rather than age based. So we used to have can't believe this used to have Moore's law um, that used to be a thing. It's not really a thing anymore. Um, everyone kind of admits it's not, and that was fundamentally doubling of performance every uh, every sort of two years um, or halving of size. That ceased to be kind of a rule anymore back in twenty fourteen, um, and what that meant was that individual level configuration became more important than age of server because it used to be that if you just bought new you'd get the efficiency gains and it'd be twice as good whereas mm-hmm. now it's down to the individual interplay of components within makes models and generations of servers and within a same configuration that the variance can be 70 to 70 to 80 percent energy efficiency within the same the same box basically mm. so if we're not looking on a per config basis configuration being the interplay between ram cpu age, motherboard, all those sort of components. If we're not looking at the interplay between those components, we're not really doing good IT management and we're not really making the most of our data centers or our enterprises. Um, that, that's the key thing really. And what we have is very strong science-based uh, metrics and very, very clear um, use cases and, and sort of evidence of what those configs can do on a per, perf- or per watt performance basis 
total operations that they can perform, so what they're capable of, how good they are at doing it, and therefore the environmental and cost benefits of that particular configuration, or what a change would enact. And that's, I think, one of the crucial ones is understanding what are your options around IT to drive efficiency. And it's not always buy new and replace, it's reconfiguration, it's optimal decommissioning, it's product life extension to balance scope two and scope three um, carbon uh, sort of ratios in, in IT equipment over its life cycle. And all these things can be enacted through effective reconfiguration or change. Mm. Because this idea of always buying new is like um, sort of lazy thinking or something which has emerged simply because of we can always rely on Moore's law. And automatically, if if, if you're buying a new server after three years, it's always been easier to assume that that's going to be vastly more energy efficient, even to the extent that it it will pay for the embodied carbon in the product. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, what you're saying there is bang on. We, a good example I can give you is Dell recently released two models, an R750 and R7525. One uses Intel chips, one uses AMD, and they, they're a similar sort of 2U server. The variance between the best R7525 with an AMD chip that we've tested versus the best 750 with an Intel chip is over 75, 75% difference even though it's mm-hmm. the exact same year of manufacture, the exact same size tin, the exact same maker. The only difference is one's got a specific capability around AMD and one's got capabilities around Intel. Uh, and because of the generation of those of those CPUs, one is, yeah, 75% more energy efficient per unit of transaction and right. can do more work. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you put them, if you put either of them in to replace something, they'd both be probably an improvement on what you have, but one is almost twice as good as the other. And yeah, if you actually looked at them, the only metric you could get to understand that is that they both have an energy star rating that says they're both efficient. Mm. But one is vastly outperforming the other on most tasks, not on everything, but on most tasks that, uh, that a business would use them for. Mm-hmm. So understanding right. that on a per configuration basis is crucial for deciding what to upgrade, how to upgrade, when to upgrade, what the balance of costs are, what the balance of carbon is. Yes, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's a lot more complicated, but also simple. Because, you know, we, we grade these things to say how good they are. And you can you take a number and go from A to F. If I've got Fs, I'd probably be better off having Ds and Es or mm-hmm. reconfiguring my existing ones to move them up that hierarchy. So it can be quite straightforward. And I think that's what the industry is missing is a very clear way to say what is efficient IT and how do we understand that? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, and without that, we've just been relying on sort of... Um, industry mythology really yeah. um yeah so i mean t- tell us where this has come from how, how have you how does it work how have you um put it together and uh what's the your origin story if you like so it started as a research project with um like our parent company tech buyer and uh, university of east london we did a two-year research project carrying out a lot of benchmarking. Um, primarily, what we actually were looking at was the payback point of refurbishment versus new from a cost right. point of view and a carbon point of view to understand optimal refresh cycles versus brand new versus refurbished. And yes. during that, we did so much benchmarking that we kind of had a very large data set. And we said, why don't we build something that mm-hmm. can actually provide those benchmarks to people? Right, because that analysis just... and intelligence. And that's what we did. And since we sort of developed that application around about 2020, we've spent the last two years just 
doing non-stop work on the benchmarking aspect and focusing a little less on the financial payback point and more on capabilities, grading, understanding, interplay of components to the point where we've just been benchmarking non-stop for two years in, like I said, specially built facilities. Um, you know, we have right. a lab, we have doctors of aeronautical engineering and AI. We're using wind tunnels that control all the environmental factors around, like I said, pressure and harmonization so we can identify specifically the impact on the server. And we just build a massive data set of what they do using industry standard benchmarks. And then we apply that to machine learning and it's, it's really, really accurate, really mm -hmm. accurate. Right. And so this really all sort of spun out of a project which was basically there because tech buyer, um, its main business is doing um, refurbished servers. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and, and it was, you know, which the, um, uh, data center users, operators may be a little skeptical of. They may think a refurbished server isn't going to be as good as one as a new one. So you're, uh, this project was just there partly to sort of give some evidence to say that refurbished servers are just as good. And that's yeah. a that, that would have been a good result, but then you realised there was a lot more that could be done with it. Yeah, that was it. So the benchmarking we started with was sort of taking models and then having the complete brand new factory sealed version against a fully refurbished one, and then also doing component level switch out. So going brand new system versus brand new system with a refurbished CPU, brand new system with a brand new CPU and refurbished RAM, and basically seeing what the impact of every single part of the configuration was when refurbished was what the component was and the idea was to basically look at it and go is refurbished as good does it lose performance does it degrade over time does it become less effective less efficient and the answer was no it doesn't not at all but during all that testing we ended up with this huge data set going we could probably build a really good application to predict what a configuration can do because there's, there's millions of available configurations within a generation of servers you know every time you Every time you've got a CPU, there's you know a, a dozen and more configurations of RAM that have an impact on how it performs from an efficiency and a performance point of view. And with every generation, every model, there's dozens or hundreds even sometimes of CPUs. So you have yeah. the option of a million different ways this server could be configured. And they all have completely different performance metrics. Some of them are quite close, but some of them are wildly different depending on how you configure. And it was as we were building up this data set that we realized that no one can, short of actually benchmarking themselves, no one could get this data. So we just started creating this huge data pool with which to base the machine learning on. And now we've got this highly accurate model that says pretty much can predict exactly how your firm is going to perform in any environment running most, mostly any application and compare it to another server of another manufacturer or another maker, or another generation. We can take a Gen 7, you know, 10 or 11 year old HP and compare it to a brand new Dell or a brand new Lenovo and see what the difference is, what the, you know, how much better is it? How different is it? And it's, and that's a per configuration generation basis. And that's, that for me is really powerful. If you want to say, what should I do with my IT? So maybe one of the surprising things is the, um, the real time ability of this. I mean, it, I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Maybe it just is very easy to get, uh, software probes that you can put onto servers that oh, monitor we don't, what they're doing. We don't, we don't actually touch the client equipment. That's what's really, that's what's really useful about our product. Um, we don't, we don't integrate, we don't touch any systems, any servers, because we work with like quite large financial institutions and pharma companies that are really risk averse. So our, our entire strategy is around understanding what they have with a series of data points they can provide without us going into their environment. And that's, yeah, that's that's a really big, powerful part of Interact in that it, we just need 
quite straightforward data you can get from a you know a DSIM or a CMDB or something like that. And we're so accurate on our predictions that with five or six pieces of data, we can provide highly accurate models of what that performance looks like, which are directly comparable to receiving that data live, basically. Mm. So, I mean, and then realizing that you can feed that back into looking at actual servers out there. And it's not even always necessarily about replacing them. It can be about uh, reconfiguring them. I mean, yeah. What, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just done a really good project with a sort of a, a quite a large telecoms company where our advice has been that they can't replace some of the older servers because they, they do legacy applications that require certain firmware or certain, certain requirements, but they can reconfigure those existing older servers and with, with CPUs that they already know and exist within other configs in their environment. And we're looking at a 25% energy reduction for that system mm. with a CPU that's going to cost about three pounds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're looking at reducing 25% energy just by reconfiguring an existing config that they know works because it already exists in a different configuration in their mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. So that, and that's one example. And they can do that across, you know, 800 servers and save 25% mm -hmm. of the energy use on those older servers just by quite simple reconfiguration, very simple project. Mm. Um, you know, or we might recommend, like I said, that they decommission them and consolidate them onto a more efficient one. And we mm -hmm. can then say what the business case was for that, not from a cost point of view, but from a, a carbon and energy point of view. So, you know, you have 600 servers of this type, you could move their entire workloads onto 150 of these type, which have got spare capacity. You don't even have to buy anything. You've got mm -hmm. available space to migrate. And right. by moving those virtual workloads, you can actually turn off 600 of your worst servers and just decommission them and do, you know, IT asset disposition effectively out of your environment. And that will save you... 30% of your energy use for your building. Mm. Massive, oh. massive improvements. And it's, you know, the last project we do is replacing buy and buying. It's, you know, first things is identifying low utilization, reconfiguring, uh, optimizing virtualized states, reconfiguring the assets after we've reconfigured the actual virtual hardware. Then it's looking at moving through environments. And then finally, it's, and then what would you buy new? potentially or refurb or whatever. Or refurbish. Yeah. Mention the refurbish. I mean, I was just thinking that, you know, um, it's just maybe a slightly unintended consequence is tech buyer sort of looking at this and thinking, wait a minute, you were supposed to be selling more refurbished servers. <laughs> None of your customers need any more servers. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because in an ideal world, what we really want people to do is product life extension. Mm -hmm. So what we, what we really, really want people to do is have a server and not have it for three years. They want to, we want to have a server and have it for seven mm. years. So that yes. the embodied carbon, the the minerals, the the social impact, and the entire sort of life cycle impact of a server is 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 minimised, and, mm. and all the negative externalities that come out of the creation of that asset, we want mm -hmm. them to be minimised on a per year basis. So mm. from an environmental sustainable point of view, we really want someone to go. I've got a server; it's been amazing for three years. How mm. do I make it last six? And like I said, it kind of feels like you're doing yourself out of business because you're like, I actually really want to buy your old server and sell you potentially a newer one. But from an environmental point of view, the best thing we can possibly do is make it as efficient as possible and then make it last as long as the efficiency outweighs its um, its age. So this could even go upstream, you know, the kind of people that are providing the, um, the, the, the second user servers that uh, tech buyer refurbishes. I mean, they're hyperscalers like Facebook and the like, maybe, or whoever they are. Um, that they that they could be using your tool and discovering they don't actually even need to um, finish off 
they, they don't even need to stop using those. They can yes. extend the life of them within the company. So, yeah, you may even be not, not yeah, okay. So, as you say, life. Microsoft and Amazon have both just come out recently said that one of their key strategic objectives around services is extending the usable life of them. Mm-hmm. I think Microsoft's going from four to six and Amazon's going from three to five, I think it is. So they're looking mm-hmm. at extending that. And I think Microsoft's saying it's saving them something like 1.1 billion or something by doing product life extension of their existing assets with no impact on efficiency. Mm. It's like, well, if these hyperscalers can do this, everybody can do this, but they need to know which ones to keep and which ones to change. Because there is a point where you have a server that's, it would be more efficient from a carbon point of view for it to be the most energy efficiency next generation than it would be to keep prolonging a less efficient configuration that's historic. And it's identifying that that trade-off point, isn't it, that's hard. Because I'm turning around saying you can optimize those Gen 7s, but in a re- in an ideal world, I would want them to decommission those Gen 7s and optimize the Gen 8s and 9s potentially. Because the mm. Gen 7s even optimized, their best Gen 7 is not as good as their worst Gen 8. Mm-hmm. So from a carbon point of view, in an ideal world, I'd want them decommissioned, but they can't be for whatever reasons. So what mm-hmm. we do need to do is make them the best they possibly can be. And it's it's relatively painless. Like This is stuff that is not that hard. You know, it's not like, oh, you need to be a genius to figure this out. This is just like, you just need to know where to look and what to look at, and then some metrics that you can influence. Mm. And then once, you, once you've done that, like you can really have transformational impacts. We, we generally see, if, if people carried out all our projects that we recommend on an on a engagement, we generally see low-end 65% energy reduction at data center level on their IT mm-hmm. costs. And at top end, the highest yeah. one we work with would have a 98% energy reduction on their mm-hmm. server, server estate. Yeah, you need to tell me. You need to tell me why we should believe this. I mean, should, something like this must should have some sort of um, you know, academic credibility or something yeah. to back it up, shouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, and that's that, that, I mean, that, that, that was that was an easy pitch question. Yeah, I, know what, I know you have an answer. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you're exactly right because far too often what we see is a, a marketing based white paper from a company saying, you know, we reduce your carbon by ninety percent by moving to cloud because we've got purchasing power arrangements and we've got um you know our own wind farm that provides one percent of our energy but we claim it's providing all of it and you know we've got low carbon buildings so therefore everything's zero carbon that's not real life so we what we do is we rigorously submit academic journals you know two three times a year validating our benchmarks validating our methodologies validating the technology we just constantly constantly publish in, in leading high impact journals to have okay. our work and our thoughts and our methodologies validated by academics rather than people who are skinning the game. Mm-hmm. And so and we do that every single year to make sure that what we're saying is right, because I'm not interested in publishing a white paper where I say you should use this because I, I made it or we made mm-hmm. it. It's okay. You should use this because it's literally the cutting edge technology of how we can solve a massive problem. And mm-hmm. if you don't like my maths, that's okay. But at least you know what all my, all our maths look like. You can, mm. you, know, you can go there and you can you can go to the IEEE and look at two of our papers that talk about the master methodologies, how everything works, and have people, very smart people, look at that and say, yep, that all checks out. Mm-hmm. Um, which And I just think that's really important. I think that the academic verification and the scientific rigor that goes into this has to be bulletproof because mm-hmm. there's a lot of big businesses that would rather we didn't do this. Yes. Yes, talk a bit about that because I think, I mean, um, the thing that the other surprise about this is that um, what goes on inside servers has almost always been um, seen as um, invisible and beyond measurement. 
um, you know, the whole data center industry has been focusing on um, PUE as a magic figure of efficiency, which basically simply involves trying to use less electricity, uh, powering and cooling the servers and um, ma makes no attempt to look at how efficient the servers are themselves, which is... Yeah, that's right. So this is this is looking at the one on the PUE, right? PUE of 1.6, everyone wants to reduce the after the point. And mm -hmm. my view, and I think a lot of people's view now, is that you don't need to call as much IT if there's less of it there doing more efficient stuff more effectively. So we want to reduce the total that leads to the one. So, I mean, we're a nightmare for PUE, because if we have the size of your physical estate, but you've still got the supporting infrastructure, your PUE technically doubles. Mm. You know, if you're 1.6 and your IT loads a megawatt and we reduce that, that to half a megawatt, you know, mm -hmm. everything else doesn't just automatically reduce, does it? There's, you know, there's still high proportionality. So we're going right. to make PUE worth to start with. And then you can yes. readdress it again through PUE. You can then look at that as a PUE of two, but half total energy. Yeah. Bring that back down again. Time to to get rid of some of your cooling. Power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Or, yeah. or whatever the solutions are, mm -hmm. you know. That's the big thing, really, is the IT bit's been left alone too long. And all we see on most of the legislation around this is that um, I was looking at the EU taxonomy for energy efficiency, which is looking at coming into force quite soon. And we we're kind of feeding back on that. And it's sort of like, ah, for the IT efficiency metric, they're still talking about using PUE. And at the other end of it, they're saying maybe we could look at ITEU, but there's no way of measuring that. And so the result I'm getting is, like I said, you know, European sort of commissions and stuff looking at it and saying, can we use Energy Star as the only metric to decide whether an, a server is efficient, yes or no? And Energy Star has some massive holes in it. It's, it's a good place to start, but it's it's one idealized configuration per model. So you go, this is the idealized version of, of this, you know, DL385. It's not real life, and it's only one version, and there might be a million different versions of that in play, which have different levels of efficiency and effectiveness. And we need that level of granularity. We need the data to, to to look at and go, am I buying what's best for the environment, for my data center, for my enterprise? Am I making the right decisions? And that, unfortunately, is missing at the moment. And we do have it. Mm. Yes. I mean, talking about people who might like or not like it, I mean, I imagine that server manufacturers might be a little skeptical about the idea of um, allowing people to buy fewer of their servers. <laughs> I think so. I think they'd be less pleased than, than we'd hope. But what we've actually interested is we've, we've actually got a relationship with Dell um, where I think they're quite interested for us to help them with customers that have sustainability initiatives and say, actually, it'd be really useful if you could say what they currently look like and what it would look like if they maybe optimised their estates. So there is a, a piece around that where certainly one or two of the major OEMs like what we're doing. Mm. Uh, and I imagine quite a few don't. And, you know, there's a, there's a five-letter word out there that specialises in networking that very much probably doesn't like what we do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't be too specific, but it rhymes with disco. Yes, mm -hmm. indeed. And, I mean, and you, you say Dell um, are picking it up. I mean, I, I guess if there are server makers in competition with each other, then one of them might be able to say, um, we're, we're going to take the opportunity to... Um, to bite the bullet and and, and offer a, mu a, a much better level of efficiency in what service you get, um, in exchange for getting more 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 a larger number of customers taking customers from the other vendors by potentially offering more efficient uh, builds. Yeah, I, I think so, and I think you know Dell have always liked to work through partners as well. So I think this isn't as foreign ground for them. I think 
they're, they're mm. quite like to engage with lots of partners and, and see where they can strengthen that offering. So I think mm. they are looking for differentiation in, in some areas. Um, and, that, and that's really useful because realistically, I think what we should be doing is trying to solve the customer need mm. rather than I've got stock of this, you should buy that, which is, if I'm honest, the majority of the, the, the play really. You should have mm. this because this is what I've got. What would be great is to be looking at going, you should have this because it's the best for your environment. It's the most efficient, effective. Mm-hmm. It's going to last you the longest, play the hardest. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I think realistically, that's what the market needs now. We need a transparent approach to mm. what is going to go in your rack. And that, mm. I don't think that's been available until now. Right. Or somebody with an incentive to actually sell less than they're selling, which is always a tricky <laughs> yeah. thing to, to set up. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Sell less. I'm all right, thanks, actually. I'd rather not. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, other people that might be a little um, dubious about this are people who make a business of selling large amounts of space filled with servers. I mean, uh, yeah. co-location providers um, might not like their customers suddenly saying to them, oh, actually, we, on- we, we, we only need two racks, not four. Or Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. We, when, we've, when we've sort of gone and spoken to colos, it is very met with a met very much with a I'd rather not have this conversation. You know, a couple <laughs> of them have come out and said, Well, we'd love to offer a different differentiated product where we could help our customers be more environmentally friendly. But the majority are just like, Come on, man, you're killing my business here. Like you you, mm. you know, if we use your service, you're gonna empty seventy percent of my colo facility because they mm. people are using systems they the service that they just don't need. They could mm. much they could really improve their estates, but you know, it's funny because you get a bit of a slopey shoulder situation sometimes with Colo where they go, hey, it's not our kit, man. You know, we've got very, very, very environmentally solid data centers, but, you know, we can't touch the IT. Mm. Like, but you know what it's using and you know the solutions out there where you could provide much, much better advice to your customers. And your customers are using you as a Colo because you're the experts. So mm. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, hey, not really our problem. It's like, it's, it, it might not be your kit, but you could solve this for your customer should you be incentivized. And like I said, there right. is a reverse incentivization where you go, but then you'd have to sell to more people, which mm. you don't really want to do. So, yeah, I, I'll be honest, like I've been met with very, I wouldn't say hostility, just very much a, please don't talk to me, I'm a colo. Um, I hope that'll <laughs> change. I really do hope that'll change. I hope somebody will go out there and say that I think we should do something good for our customers, not just good mm. for our back pocket. Um, yeah, if you became the colo, where you have to buy fewer racks that could be a somebody better than me could maybe turn that into a slogan but um <laughs> yeah i haven't thought one either maybe if, if i did maybe we'd have more success uh, <laughs> mm. yes so um that, that that's a a future prospect um <laughs> what yeah what what, what um what are the things that are going to be happening uh, in the future? Because it's, it's like you've existed for a while and yeah. um, we've not heard all that much about you. Are you been sort of operating under the radar? Are you about to become more of a household name in some way? I hope so. I think, I think the big change for us is that historically we've been trying to hone where we really have the best impact for customers. So it's like some of the big FTSE 100 companies use us. But we've mm-hmm. been, you know, we, we are we have been around for a bit. But when I say a bit, I mean like fifteen months. You mm. know, and, and a lot of these conversations with data centers take a long time, right? Mm. Like, yes. You, you know, oh, speak yeah. to somebody, and then a year later they come back and say, "Actually, we're ready to start looking at a server now." And you think, "Well, that's been a year. That's seventy-five percent of the existence of this mm-hmm. business." If I got to you at day one, so what we are seeing though now is loads of 
businesses yes. that are ambitious towards reducing carbon. They have mm. genuine art targets they want to hit. And we mm. are seeing some of the biggest companies in the world come to us now and, and engage mm. um, and be willing to have those conversations. And some of them are doing it really, what I see is very much for the right reasons. Like they mm-hmm. are genuinely trying to be better and they mm. didn't know they could do this. Um, mm. and I think the other thing is, no one in the in the data industry thinks of the IT really. They still really don't. You know, it's, it's fundamentally a facilities game, isn't it? Your average mm. data center consultant goes out there and tries to make the cooling better, or you know, potentially at the far end, potentially like find better ways to purchase carbon agreements or reduce water if they're really thinking realistically. Mm. But no, I've I've never had a data center consultant come to me and be like, "Hey, we should really optimize our customers' IT." You know, that's that's still not really happening a great deal. But what we are doing is getting loads of enterprises who have lots of smart people come to mm. us and say, I'd love to solve this problem. Mm. And they they genuinely seem interested. And, you know, there's a, there's a couple of names I wish I could mention because I think there's some really good work going on at a couple of very good UK companies that are mm. really trying to reduce their carbon and are looking at every single way to do that, including, you know, others at Interact. Mm. But I think, oh. I think next year could be very, very big for us. Is that because of the energy crisis, because of yeah. impending regulations? I think, I think it's a com- combination of three things around environmental regulation, where people now need to potentially know the impact of this. There's the energy cost where you've gone from sort of, you know, 19p a kilowatt. And I've seen some people quoted 90p. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're going, you know, you know that thing you talked to me about a year ago? I need that now because my costs have increased fourfold. And now I actually don't. It's not even that I want to do this, but if I don't, we're going to go out of business. And then the other side of it, I think, is yeah, legislation around carbon reporting, energy uh, utilization, and, and and striving towards net zero. Um, mm. And see, I think those be key drivers. And most mm. of the solutions that are out there on the market don't really address many of those. I don't think. I think mm. they they do incremental change. Whereas there is so much for us to do with people because they've never done anything like this. That mm. you know, the low hanging fruit that's simple, effortless, and cheap. That's twenty five, thirty percent reduced costs and carbon. And that's just, it's very, very appealing, I think. Mm. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that's a good, maybe a good place to leave it. There's uh, exciting prospects, things <laughs> to come. Um, I'm sure we'll hear more from you in the future. And thank you for joining us on Zero Downtime. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sustainability is no longer a nice-to-have. It's a priority. Vertive Power, cooling and IT management solutions for critical infrastructure are designed to reduce the use of energy, water, and space. From innovative liquid cooling to dynamic grid services, we work hand-in-hand with customers to enable them to meet their data center sustainability goals. Visit us at vertive.com and see what we can do for you. Thanks for listening to the Zero Downtime podcast, brought to you in partnership with Vertiv, the world's leading critical digital infrastructure provider. Don't forget to like this podcast and subscribe to our channel. We'll see you again next time.